so bear with us. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spit on. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went this way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that, had, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. By the way, they weren't reaching out to him so that he would heal more blind people or to thank him or to give him the key of the city. They wanted to find out where Jesus was to stop him from doing any more miracles. Can you believe it? You'd think they'd want to bring him in and have him heal everybody. That wasn't the case. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto him, he put clay upon my eyes. I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man, what sayest thou of him? That he hath opened thine eyes. He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. These folks made the parents of this man that had just been healed afraid to rejoice in the fact that he had been healed. Crazy. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Almost done. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had, had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise we know not, that we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That whereas I was blind, now I see. Verse 5 from my text. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I want to preach to you this morning with God's help on a message entitled, Open Your Eyes. Open Your Eyes. Let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, please pray over our messenger messenger.
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do appreciate those who have been inviting friends, co-workers, loved ones. I spoke with one lady who came for the first time this morning. I asked, who invited you? She said, three different people invited me at three different places this week. I kind of got the message, God wanted me to come. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. So keep on inviting. Amen. Keep on inviting. Again, my message is entitled, Open Your Eyes. There's not much difference between a person that is completely blind and a person that chooses to live in darkness. We would ask the question, why would anybody choose to live in darkness? If we have the ability to turn the lights on, we should. Amen? For if the lights aren't on, we tend to stumble, trip, fall. One of those trips could be down the steps, could be over a ledge, could cost you your life. And so most rational people, if they have the ability, choose to turn the lights on. But when Jesus talks about blindness in the word of God, he speaks. Turn this one down. Is that all right? All right. You got me. Thank you. He speaks not just of physical blindness, but he speaks of spiritual blindness. He speaks of those who have the ability to turn the lights on, but don't. They have the ability to know how to get to heaven, but they choose not to. I shared with you at the beginning of the service how that when I first came to Christ and I was in a church and had that little bit of hesitation, how can I be sure I'm in the right place? My pastor calmed my fears by showing me the word of God. And he gave me that, that wonderful tool. If I have a question as to something, I can find the answer in the Bible. The Bible tells me how to be saved. The Bible tells me how to have a relationship with God. The Bible tells me how to interact with my wife, my son, with other men and women. But to have the light, which is the word of God, and not open it is to choose to walk in darkness. And then you want to ask the question, when somebody is walking in darkness, they don't want to know the truth and they get hurt, you want to say to them, dummy, why don't you turn the lights on? Are you still here? Preacher, that's kind of not very nice. Let me give you an example. We shared with it in, in home group on Friday night. Sometimes Jesus said some things that if they were said today, you would say, even though he's Christ, that's not very Christ-like. Let me give you an example. Jesus met a man. As he was ministering, he told the man, he said, follow me. Now, I want you to understand, yep, going mobile. I want you to understand that when Jesus said, follow him, he wasn't just saying, commit your life to me. He was saying, I want you to get your stuff and I want you to come. I want you to act upon what I have shared with you. And yet, we find a man saying, well, Lord, I've got to bury my father. Now, it seems reasonable, amen? Amen? Can't come right now, got to bury dad. Give me a couple days, everything will be cool, then I can come. 
That wasn't what the man was saying. Because when a man died in that time, they would bury him right away. It wasn't like dad was at home, stretched out on a slab, waiting until they got the rest of the money to put together to bury him. It was what the man was really saying was, my dad's still alive. And I got to wait until he dies. And when eventually he dies and then I bury him, then I'll be free to come and follow you. It was really just an excuse for not doing what God said to do. Now, we're pretty good at these, aren't we? We've all got a reason why we can't do what God said to do. But all of our reasons in the eyes of God are lame. Because what I want you to understand is when God calls us to do something, he wants us to act. When God tells us not to do something, he really means it. When God says take action, he says pick up your stuff and let's go. Because Jesus was only going to be in that time and that area for a while. That man had one chance, one chance of a lifetime, and he gave an excuse for not following. What would his life been, would have been like if he would have obeyed? And you got to ask the question, was there ever an opportunity in your life you missed? And you wondered, what would my life would have been like if I would have caught that wave? I wouldn't have flunked that test. If I would have got accepted to Harvard, I only got to go to Yale. And so, <laughs> talking about you, <laughs> amen. What would have happened if uh, uh, that lady would have said yes? Or what would have happened if you would have said yes to that man that offered to marry you? What would have happened if uh, instead of getting mad at that job, when, when that guy said to go and dig the ditch, and uh, you just went ahead and did it, maybe you'd be the CEO today. you got to ask, what would have happened? But when it comes to God, it's not just about our life changing, it's about our eternity changing. For God calls us to come and follow him, but he wants us to take action. He wants us to do something. He wants us to open our eyes. Now, when God speaks about blindness, as I shared with you, he's not talking about a physical blindness. He's talking about those who don't know. Now, we've heard this phrase before. Perhaps you've used it. It's like the blind leading the blind. And we know that it means someone that doesn't know what they're talking about leading somebody else who doesn't know what they're talking about. But these two blinds are really different, the blind leading the blind. In Jesus' case, he was talking about the scribes and Pharisees who were religious people. These people should have known the Bible, should have known the Scriptures, should have known what God said. And so they were willfully blind because they were not doing what God said to do. And these willfully blind people refusing to fully obey were leading these other blind people who this group of people just didn't know what to do. So we've got two different blind folks, those who are walking around refusing to open their eyes and those over here who just don't know. And Jesus said, you know, these people over here, they, they tell everybody else what to do, but they don't do it themselves. They laid heavy burdens on other people's backs, but they don't lift one finger to lift it themselves. That's somebody else's job. He said, let them alone. They're like the blind leading the blind. Now, a better thing would be that somebody would open their eyes and take someone's hand who does not know, who is spiritually blind, and lead them to life. Now, we 
shared with you this, this idea of blindness, of being a lack of knowledge, but Jesus also describes it as a lack of light. For there's really no difference between someone who's physically blind and someone who is in perfect darkness. Now, very rarely are we in perfect darkness. Usually, there's some little bit of light that illuminates even the darkest room. It might be, it might be the iron light that you let plugged in, and it's just flashing there. Or maybe it's your watch that when you turn over in bed, it lights up, and that little bit of light lights up that dark room. Or maybe uh, your, you know, your uh, little Care Bear, uh, what do you call it, uh, night light because you're afraid of the dark. Amen? <laughs> if you got a Care Bear night light, you know God's got your number. Amen? <laughs> Whatever it is, rarely are we in complete darkness. But there are times. We've all experienced it. We went into a room and there wasn't any windows and there wasn't any light. There are times that we've experienced you went into a place and you were caught. Maybe you went from a bright place to a dark place and you had to stop because you couldn't see anything. So when Jesus came to the world, he said, I am the light of the world. So he said, if you remove that light, you walk in darkness. Meaning, I will give you the knowledge, I will give you the understanding to where you can walk this life and, and avoid the pitfalls and the traps and, and get to heaven. But you've got to accept the light. You've got to open up your heart and bring Christ in. But the Bible said, he came unto his own and his own received him not. The Bible said they didn't like the light because they loved darkness. They didn't want to give up the sin. And so they became blind, willfully blind, blind to themselves. Have you ever talked to somebody and you said this, talking about somebody else, maybe your daughter, your, maybe you and your husband are talking about uh, your, your grown daughter, your son, or a, a loved one, and you say, can't they see what you're doing to their life? You ever heard that before? Can't they see? Sometimes you look at somebody, they're blowing their life up with addiction. They're blowing their life up with, with promiscuity. They're, they're messing up their family. And you're like, don't they see what they're doing? Because they are choosing darkness rather than light. And they become blind to themselves. They are completely oblivious to their own, their own lives. Because of that, they walk around. Stumbling, we've heard the, the term a bull in a china shop, but they're a bull in a darkened china shop. <laughs> they're breaking up everything because they can't see. Marriage gets broken. Their jobs are, 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 are messed up. Their finances are messed up. Their physical health is messed up. Uh, all these things. And you're like, man, why don't they open their eyes? Why won't they see? Why won't they acknowledge? Now, the hardest thing in the world to see is yourself. And that's, again, why the Bible is so important. Because, like one man said, it's not just you reading the Bible. When you open up the Word of God, the Bible starts reading you. And something begins to happen. All of a sudden, you, if you're attentive to God at all, aren't looking at, man, that that miserable brother Dwayne, I'm just using him as an example. Or that low-down sister Ivory, 
All of a sudden, God, you know, you're reading the Bible, and this finger's pointing at you. And you begin to say, oh, maybe it's me that needs to change. Maybe it's me that's holding the grudge. Maybe it's me that's looking at it in the wrong way. And we become oblivious to ourselves, willfully blind. We don't want to see. In Kansas, pastoring a church in Fort Riley, and someone came to the church. <laughs> and during the church service, they were ripping up paper and stuffing it in their ears. And they were sitting there, you know, their, their intention was, I am not going to listen to you. And you wanted to ask them, why did you come to church? Amen. <laughs> No reason for you to come unless you wanted to hear. You don't want to hear, fine, we're not going to force you, but you, you're torturing yourself. Amen? <laughs> and sometimes, but sometimes that's the way it is with us. I don't want to hear. When we were in Hawaii, there was a fella. He had a problem with his, his boss. He was in the Army, and his boss was a sergeant. He was a specialist at TFC. And the boss, he, he seemed to give him a hard time. And he was... He was saying, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. i got to get out of this unit. got to get into a different unit. This guy is horrible. He's always giving me a hard time. And one time I was out on base, and I was soul winning, and I saw his sergeant. And I, he was at the desk, and he was eating popcorn. And the guy was being really tough and rugged. But the problem was, as he was eating popcorn, he had a kernel that lodged on his nose. White piece of popcorn right there. And uh, <clears throat> it's hard to look tough and intimidating when you got popcorn on your nose. Amen? <laughs> and so I, one side of me wanted to tell him, another side said no. And so I just kind of let it go because they <laughs> he, he was oblivious to what was happening. And it just didn't seem like he was going to be open to somebody telling him. Amen? Sometimes you find people, they want to be told, Pastor, hit me with your best shot. I got the target on. Go ahead. I want to know something needs to change. There are others that come to church and they bring their shield. And they say, don't send anything my way. If it comes my way, I'm going to toss it to somebody else in the back. When the Bible tells us that the reproof of a wise man, they should be, it should be something that we accept. Almost like we should kiss them and thank them for correcting us. But that's usually not the way it is. Usually we get upset and we resent that somebody is kicking around or poking around in our business. Amen. We become willfully blind, blind to ourselves. But what happens, to, well, what happens when we do that is we become blind to the danger. You've heard of a guy named Samson? We don't really know Samson's physique. Everybody pictures Samson as this great, big, muscle-bound guy, right? But we don't know that was the case. Probably be much more impressive, much more glorifying God, if Samson was a scrawny little runt. And the power was not because of his great, big biceps, but it was because of God. But what we do know is that God used Samson. He moved him. Samson was a judge over Israel. He was leading the people. But Samson had some problems. He had some problems with women. When his parents began to talk to him about it, he didn't want to hear it. He had some problems with violating the commands of God. Nobody could speak to him. When the people came up and, and the, the enemies, he had created some problems, 
He was an Israelite, and the Philistines were mad at him because he was fighting against them. And the Philistines went and talked to the other Israelites and said, you got to talk to your boy Samson. He's giving us a hard time. And the Israelites came to Samson and said, Samson, why don't you quiet it down? But he wouldn't listen to his parents, wouldn't listen to the Israelites, wouldn't listen to anybody. One day we know what happened. Come on in, make yourself at home, sit down, we're glad you're here. We know what happened. Samson met this woman by the name of Delilah. And Delilah was not Samson's friend. But you could not convince Samson of that. Amen? Delilah put her head, put his head on her lap and began to say, Samson, tell me where your strength lies. Which is another reason why you, you might want to think that Samson didn't have some great big muscles and, and biceps and pecs because if he did, she probably would have understood where his strength was. Amen? So it was looked like Delilah understood there's something beyond just your physique that's giving you the strength. What is it? And Samson gave her a story. Well, never been tied up with fresh rope. And they tied him up, and then he called the Philistines, and they came, and he just ripped the ropes up. Well, I've never had, if you, if you take my hair, and you, you weave it together, and you do, I'll lose my strength. And so she did it, and called the Philistines, and you're like, Samson, come on, man, how many times does this have to happen before you figure out she's not a good woman? Amen? And again, the Philistines are coming in the bedroom, ready to attack, and Samson rips it up, and he's ready to fight them. Finally, she sa he says to her, well, if you cut my hair, then I'll be powerless. And the Bible said that she cut his hair. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Here's what the Bible said. She arose, not knowing the Lord had departed from her. This is one of the scariest verses in the Bible to me. Because I don't ever want to operate thinking, got God helping me when he's not there. I don't ever want to play around with sin to think that I can do whatever I want and get away with it. So the Bible tells us that the Philistines came. This time Samson didn't have any strength. He had broke the commandments of God. He was blind to the dangers, even though situation after situation had warned him. It's like today you want to ask somebody, how many times do you need to get arrested or get into a fight or end up without money for your electric bill or can't pay your rent or your children are looking at you strange because you got a different man every weekend or a different woman every week. How many times does that have to go on before you say, you know what, I need to change. It's not everybody else, it's me. The Bible tells us that Samson... Had his eyes put out. Usually they would heat up the poker, put it right to, through, through the eyeballs. He became physically blind because he was first spiritually blind. What will happen to us? Did you know that if we're not born again in this life, the Bible said that we'll be cast into hell in the lake of fire, where it will be filled with darkness gnashing of teeth, forever suffering. If we don't open our eyes now, we may be forever spiritually blind. The whole reason that Jesus came, he said, I'm the light of the world. I want to help you. I want to show you what's going on. Would you just lay down the pride for a minute and say, God, what's going on with me? 
And whether you're a Christian that's been saved 30 years or whether you're somebody brand new coming to the church, just be honest with God. Nobody else has to know, God, if things aren't right in my life, I want to be right because when I die, I don't want to end up in hell. Get ready, musicians. The famous YouTuber, if you don't know him, your children, grandchildren probably do, Mr. Beast. He's like the number one YouTuber in America, maybe in the world. Recently, he paid for a thousand people to have their eyesight restored. He's very rich. Part of how he got that way, he gave away money, and people wanted to see the videos of him giving it away, and it just became bigger and bigger. In the <coughs> in the the video, it shows him paying for a very simple procedure, a cataract sur uh, surgery. Now, some that might have uh, insurance or have the wherewithal, it's a simple 10-minute surgery. They go in, the, the cloudiness, the, the thing that's in there, they suck it out, they put a new lens in there, and you can see. And they just showed person after person having the, the, uh, the bandages pulled off. And they were in tears. And they could see their son for the first time. Or they could see their mom. Or they could see uh, things up on the wall. And they were just in tears because their sight had been restored. And I think it's, it could be the same way for you today. You, it's not even something. It's already been paid for. Jesus died so that you could have your sight, spiritual sight back. A simple procedure of acknowledging, God, I've sinned. I want to be forgiven. To come to God and say, Jesus, cleanse me, forgive me, come into my life. And if you mean that from your heart, God can do it today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I was 19 years old, soldier in the army, drinking, drugging all the wrong things, came close to dying because of it. God in his mercy, though I didn't know anything about being saved, nothing about being born again, God in his mercy reached out to me. He let me see if I died in that condition, I was going to split hell wide open. And I cried out to God. It wasn't a preacher to tell me what to say wasn't somebody there saying, repeat after me. It was my heart reaching out to God and saying, Jesus. Jesus heard my heart cry and came into my life. Took away my sin and gave me a new heart. That was the last, last time I did drugs, last time I drank, last time I smoked. Took away the cursing gave me a brand new beginning. You see, salvation and Christianity is real. And if you'll come to him today, you can know that reality.